0: Thanks, Jeff. Good morning, Harvest. All right, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, is we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you um, just look in the in the chair in front of you, there's probably a Bible stuffed in under there. Um, If you don't have a Bible, grab that Bible. If you don't own a Bible, then for sure just take that Bible as our gift to you. But grab a copy of God's Word on your phone, paper, however you do it, and uh, get to Acts chapter two. And we are starting a new series this morning. It's going to go for three weeks, and it's called Supernatural. Now, some of you might be wondering, okay, what's uh, what are we going to get into in this? Like, what are we going to do? Supernatural? All right. We handling snakes now? Like, ushers come forward. We've got snakes. We're going to, no, like, not doing that, right? We're going to start with garter snakes, work our way up to the poisonous. Um, no, <laughs> that's never happening in our church. For one reason, I have a healthy fear of poisonous snakes. Um, by healthy, I scream like a six-year-old girl. Uh <clears throat> But hey, what are we doing in this series? What do we want to jump into? What do we want to press in on? See, there are two errors we can we can hit in the church. The two two ways of thinking. We think of supernatural, and and we think of the spiritual realm. We we can we can have one error where we think, well, well, it's. I mean, demons are everywhere. Like 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 like, it, you have a bad day. Well, that's 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 a demon. Press in on me, right? The, the, the demons, I mean, there could be demons right here, right? Right beside you is likely, a de- don't look beside you, all right? I mean, they, they could be in your boss, and people like, amen, right? They could be in your spouse, don't say amen, um <laughs> they're in your kids maybe you're like i got a toddler that one might be real right and and we, and we feel like every little bad thing that comes our way every inconvenience every annoyance every sickness every 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 trial every trouble and we point it to well well obviously that's the demonic happening we need to do something about that now the, now the other view is equally harmful and that's this demons are absolutely nowhere Don't worry about it. There's there's no such thing as a spiritual realm. It's just just stuff that people make up. It's it's been blown out of proportion. It's just stuff that that religious people use to scare people and and to behaving better. But both of those extremes, I hope we see as we unpack it, this sermon series, both of those are, are not great views, not right views, because listen, the Christian life is not a playground. It is a battleground. There is an ongoing daily spiritual battle. Ephesians says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, against principalities, against spiritual realm, that there's something going on that, that we can't see, but we recognize is very real, that Satan is real. His demons are real. They have one goal, and that is to destroy the image of God in men and women. They seek to possess, to guide, to deceive, to lie, because here's, here's what Satan wants. He wants nothing more, Scripture says, than to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, in our third sermon in this series, we're going to talk more specifically about the demonic. In the first two weeks, though so leading up to that, I want us to get this in our hearts, in our minds, from the truth of God's Word, that, that before we jump into the, hey, what's the enemy like, that we recognize the supernatural power that God provides in those who trust in Him. I mean, sometimes you can, you can read through scripture, right? And you can think, okay, those are our great stories from way back then. I want us to see as we look through God's word that it, it's not way back then. Listen, it's, it's about always. It's about this is who we are. Since, since the beginning of this book, right to the very end, that the, it's filled with the followers of God who are filled with the courage of God to be on mission because there's a supernatural power in them. There's a, a fearlessness in them. A confidence that, that, not a confidence in, I got this, I can handle this, I've got strength, but a confidence in this, that my God will come through. I've always loved the story of David and Goliath. I, I love this, there's, you know, this scrawny little kid with some rocks in his pockets, right? Looks at a giant and says, yeah, I can take him down, Right? I don't care how big he is. I don't know why you guys are so scared. Like, like, and why is he saying that? Not because David had confidence in him himself, but he's like, I-, I can do this because I've got my God. My God will do this. I don't know about you, but man, I want to live there. That's the place I want to experience. That's how I want to live. I pray that our church would be like that, where people would come alongside each other and point each other, remind each other of how powerful your God is, the God who dwells in you. And what God can do in his name. My prayer is that we be filled with a supernatural courage, a supernatural joy, a supernatural peace, supernatural patience. I don't want us to live in fear. To, to be the kind of people where, where we see what's going on out there and we kind of huddle up here, afraid of what culture's doing and what no, we're not called to live in fear. I don't want us to live angry at the world either, but but to be so filled with the Spirit of God, there's this, this supernatural, humble trust in the providence of our God. Where we would say, I know my God. I know He's sovereign over all. I know my future is secure. I like how John Wesley said it. He said this. He said, give me a hundred people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I will shake the world. I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen, and such alone will overthrow the kingdom of Satan and build up the kingdom of God on earth. I mean, that's our mission. That's my hope. In fact, let me pray for us, and we're going to jump into the book of Acts here. Lord God, I do pray that, Lord, we'd be reminded even this morning of the supernatural power of your spirit in us and through us. God, that we would recognize that, that our weakness, our weakness doesn't stop us, but our weakness is actually a strength because it reminds us that it's not by our power pray, Lord God, that we be reminded that, that this world isn't all there is, that what we see around us isn't all there is, but instead we would recognize that we are in a battle, that there is a spiritual realm, but, but God, that we'd also know this, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord God, we move out of here with that power, not power in and of ourselves, but a power that's in us through you, that we be a people of God who would say Christ in us and through us, so we move forward. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 2 is where we're jumping into. So let me me catch you up to Acts chapter 2, what's been going on before this, because we're kind of jumping into the middle of a story here. Um, Jesus had just told his disciples, he said, hey, guys, I'm going away. I'm leaving. I'm going back to the Father. And he says, it's better that I go. Yeah, how could that be better? If you're a disciple and you're hearing Jesus say, it's better that I go, I don't know about you, but I'd be asked the question, really, really? How would it be better? Like, 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 we've been with you. You've been hanging out with us for three years. How is it better if you're not here? I mean, think about what it would be like with us here in our life. I've, I've talked about this before, but how cool it would be like that, that if Jesus was like here and we're doing communion like we are this morning and, oh, no, we don't have enough bread. It's cool. Any kids got some fishy crackers and Jesus, right? And there's enough <laughs> communion bread for everybody with 12 trays left over. Like, that'd be awesome, Right? Like if, if you're about to sin and you look over and there's Jesus kind of giving you a look like, eh, really? And you're like, no, I, I, you're right. I don't want to pursue this sin. I, I don't want to do this wrong thing because Jesus, you're with me or, or you're talking to a friend at work or maybe you're at school and, and someone's saying to you, hey, tell me about this Jesus you keep talking about. You're like, oh, well, Jesus, how about you, right? And Jesus steps right in that and, and, and uh, your, your dog runs out on the road, hit by a car. Jesus raises him from the dead, right? Your cat runs out on the road, hit by a car and Jesus performs the best funeral ever, Right? <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> how is it better that you say I'm going how is that better well, look at Acts chapter 1 just over the, the page before Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 says this, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says, listen, listen, I'm going, and and here's why it's better. Jesus says, I'm not just going to hang out with a few of you, but I'm leaving so that my spirit will be in you all. And so what do they do? He says, wait, wait for that. And so they do. You read the rest of Acts chapter 1 leading up to chapter 2, and they're waiting. They're waiting. Now, why are they waiting? Because I think the disciples recognize all the skills and talents they might have. They mean nothing without the power of the spirit of God, and so they wait. Then Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 1, and at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they're amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each, one, each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and a bunch of other places, Right? Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own language, own tongue, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. Some wild things going on here. Wow things. Here's what let's not get lost in the craziness and and miss the power that was unleashed on that day. And listen, is still being unleashed today. God continues to use small groups of of men and women and students to to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. That God can do that here. I mean, do you believe that? I mean, for real, right? That, That God could use this group of people right here to turn our communities upside down. Not because we're the best show in town. Not because I'm the best preacher. I mean, you could spend Sundays listening to podcasts and hearing much better preachers. Not because our worship is, I mean, I love what Eric and his team does. I think it's amazing every Sunday. But listen, that's not what my hope is. My hope is in this, that the Spirit of God would move that he fill our hearts and stir some things up, that, that in his presence we're, we're either dropped to our knees in, in worship and thankfulness for the gospel or in brokenness and repentance. And listen, it can happen here. The crazy things that we're seeing here in, in Acts chapter 2, it, it's, it's happening amongst a group of uneducated, unconnected, unpowerful men and women but there's a spirit of God that comes and a, and a movement of the gospel begins that supernaturally transforms the known world. And I love it because the early church didn't, didn't reach within themselves and then spend themselves for the cause of the gospel. No, no, they received something. They, they were filled with a supernatural power, filled with the spirit of God. So here's what I hope we see. I hope we see that this is not a once upon a time, long ago kind of a deal, but this is for us today that this supernatural presence of God, still a promise today that that you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a part of this same story. And here's the big idea that I hope we get this morning, that that as Christians, God supernaturally empowers you to live your life supernaturally, to be on mission supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, here's our first point this morning. First point is this, the the Spirit fills me. The Spirit fills me. I mean, verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they're all together in one place. They're all together. And and we would know from chapter one, there's maybe about a hundred of them, men and women on mission together, gathered together. And it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, what is that? What's Pentecost? Pentecost didn't start in Acts chapter two, okay? It, 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 it's a traditional Jewish festival that they've celebrated for years. In fact, the first Pentecost, penta means five or it could be 50. It happened 50 days after the first Passover when, when they were leaving Egypt. The Israelites are leaving Egypt. Passover happens 50 days later. God's presence shows up on Mount Sinai with Moses. That's Pentecost, the first one. 50 days later, on Mount Sinai. Now, now, why would God choose that day, 50 days after Passover, that, that time when he, when he showed himself to Moses, why would he choose that day for his spirit to be sent to the church? Now, here's what I love. I love this. It is God's choosing. Right? It's not like these were super spiritual people, and they, they reached a certain level, and God's like, oh, good, now I can finally send my spirit, because look at how great these people are. No, no. He, he chose this for a reason. I think there are a few reasons that, that, that we, could, we could say, I, I think this might be why God chose this time. One, one would be the day of Pentecost was a time when, when Jerusalem was filled, we read it here, just filled with people from all over. Josephus, he was a historian that lived at this time. He said the city of Jerusalem, which normally had a population at this time of about 150,000, at Pentecost, it would grow to over a million. Right, it's a picture of Muskoka in the summer, right? But, but way more, Right. I mean, the, the city would be packed out. There'd be tents on the hillsides as as, as people were coming from all over the world. And, and God saying, "Listen, I'm starting this mission of the church, and I'm starting it in Jerusalem, and I'm bringing the multitudes together for this." Now, what did the f- festival represent? Jesus had already, remember, he changed the Passover when he met with his disciples. We're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper today. And and in that moment, when he he celebrated the Lord's Supper, we call communion, he changed the meaning of Passover. He said, this used to be about us remembering in Egypt where, where the angel of death passed over the homes where the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost and they trusted in that. And the angel of death passed over. And he said, no, from now on, you remember that I am that lamb now. And you remember my death for you. And Jesus died on Passover Friday as our sacrificial lamb, the final, perfect lamb of God. And now God's wrath God's wrath passes over those who put their trust in Jesus, the lamb of God. And now 50 days later, we, we have this coming presence of God, the, the spirit of God on Pentecost. Pentecost, it's, it's also known as, as the festival of first fruits. I'm not a farmer, so I had to look that up. What does first fruits mean? It's this. When, when your crops are coming in, say, say you're growing apples and you, you pick those first apples and you taste them, it's going to give you an idea of, of what the season's going to be like. Oh, they're very sweet. It's going to be a season of, of... They just have ways of knowing the size and the flavor and all that of what it's going to be like. It's a taste of what's to come. And so, so you, you think about the condition of our world we live in right now, right? How, how things just fall apart, Right? I mean, you look around and you go, Man, it's not, it, things aren't getting better all the time, right? Our bodies slowly fall apart. I'm experiencing it this weekend. I, yesterday, right, I'm turned 51 this year. Yesterday, I'm like limping around and Libby's like, what's wrong? He said, I think I pulled a muscle in my calf. And she goes, how? I'm like, I think I stood up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I did, right? Falling apart, right? Buildings fall apart. Relationships can fall apart without work being done, right? But, but, but listen, the first fruits is this. We're waiting for something greater that we know we have because as Paul says in Romans 8, that, that we have the first fruits of the spirit. That's our first fruits, that, that we have a, a deeper reality in the midst of seeing our world in decay. We know what the future holds for us. So so we're living in this world knowing we're made for another world. What does that do? That that means as we celebrate that first fruit, it means that we have a peace that passes understanding. We can have a forgiveness that's supernatural. We we can have a joy in us that's unexplainable. We, We can have a strength that's so far beyond what we normally have because of this spirit of God in us. I picture it this way. This may sound silly, but, but picture um, Clark Kent. Remember Superman? I picture Clark Kent being sat down by his parents and them saying, hey, Clark, let me tell you who you really are. Let, let me tell you about the powers you actually really have. And, and I picture that Pentecost is, is this reminder where God's telling all of us Clark Kent's, hey, do you know what power you really have? that inside our church, that that for those who are Christ followers, that you have the power of new life, the the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so so we can give up on on small ambitions. We can give up our little fears. We can lay aside our shame and our guilt. We can can put down our our laziness or our apathy. And and we have this hope of new life, of, of supernatural impact, of the Spirit of God on our lives, on our families, on our marriages, in our church, into our communities. And that God's placed you and me as these, these ordinary Clark Kents filled with the power of the Spirit. I mean, you see it in Peter. I mean, Peter gets up to preach this amazing sermon in Acts chapter 2. Peter, filled with courage, supernatural courage. Now, why would I say it's supernatural courage? Think about who Peter was before Jesus died and rose again. Picture him on that night. So 50 days earlier, Peter was hiding out. Peter was denying he even knew Jesus, scared of a, of a, of a, a servant girl who says, aren't you with him? And now, this, this same Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, speaks with boldness. I mean, what a difference. Verse 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I love how in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says he didn't want to talk about anything else but Jesus crucified. And, and, and Paul says this. He says, I, I came to you in weakness and fear and in trembling. I mean, can, you, Rachel, can any of you relate to that? Right? Fear, weakness, trembling. I'm thinking, this is Paul. So Peter, I get man, the guy was scared to death, but filled the Spirit, he, spe- he speaks with boldness. Paul, though, Paul, I always picture as this strong leader, a guy with all the education, powerful before he meets Jesus, and now he's saying he comes with weakness. Why? He says in 1 Corinthians 2.4, he says, I didn't want to use a bunch of fancy words when I preached. I didn't want to have creative speeches. He says, because I wanted you to see this. I wanted you to see a demonstration of the Spirit, and of power, Paul, the strong leader, saying it's, it's all the supernatural power of God. It's the spirit of God. And I love how Paul says in Philippians, he goes, all the other stuff I have in my life, all my accomplishments, he calls them trash. He's, the power of Christ crucified and risen again, that's my hope. My, my speaking ability, trash. My physical ability, trash. My education, trash. My influence, trash. The money I might have, trash. The social status, my, trash. He would say, I just want to know Jesus, crucified, risen again. I want to know the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And he says to the people he's writing to in Corinth, before he says that, he says, remember, none of you guys were that powerful. None of you guys were that awesome. None of you guys were that bright. But God chose the weak to show his power. Are you catching this? That that the supernatural is not for the super awesome only. The supernatural is for those humble people holding on to the gospel saying, Jesus, you're all I've got. That's the power of God right there. So what's it mean then to be filled with the Spirit? I mean, here it seems pretty dramatic. What happened was, was very dramatic. Like, 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 should we always be looking for like fire and wind happening when, whenever I'm filled with the Spirit? I mean, ne- this, this event never repeated again in the rest of Acts in this way. So there's something special about this first event, but, but, but the question is, what about us? Are we filled with the Spirit the same way these guys were here? I mean, Scripture says that when you, you come to Christ, that immediately when you give your life to Christ, you are right then and there filled with the Spirit of God and dwell with the Spirit at the moment of salvation. But, but then we're also commanded in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, that, 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 that phrase there could literally be said be filled and continue to be filled. Be, be permeated. Have your whole being changed because of this, this feeling that this, this day by day, this moment by moment submission to the Spirit's control, that's being filled by the Spirit. So, so don't think of it like a, a cup where you're pouring the Spirit into it. Instead, the illustration I've, I've heard that makes really good sense is instead of a cup being filled with water, think of a sail of a sailboat being filled with wind. As Christians, we, we can't live the Christian life without being filled with the Spirit. We, we can't move anywhere or do anything. So what do we do? We set the sail in the right position so the, the wind can fill the sail and give power and movement to our life. And so a good question this morning you might ask is this, is my life living in a way where I'm placing myself, positioning my heart in a way to be filled with the Spirit? Am I I setting the sail of my life that way? Am I surrendered to the Word? Am I laying down my idols? Am I saying, Jesus, only you. You're my treasure. You're my hope. In fact, in Ephesians, after Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he says, sing worship, give thanks to God. It's not about, well, i got to get all jazzed up and worked up in a worship service. No, that's, that's the outpouring of a heart that has its sails set right, where, where the outpouring, how do I know I'm being filled with the Spirit? Because there's going to be this, this worship that flows out So so being filled with the Spirit, it's it's not like lightning bolts and and, and liquid love filling my body. Like That's not the filling of the Spirit. It's it's getting to know who Christ is. It's it's understanding the gospel. It's being filled with the word. It's rejoicing in the gospel. It's being close to Jesus. I mean, think about Peter again. Think about how Peter was different depending where he was in relation to Jesus. He was so full of wisdom and courage I mean, he's, he's walking on the water when he's with Jesus. He takes his eyes off Jesus, he sinks. Remember in the garden when they come to arrest Jesus and Peter's like so courageous, he's like swinging swords and cutting off ears, right? But when he's away from Christ, it says he started to back away when Christ was in the trials he was in leading up to the crucifixion. It says that Peter stood far back. He hid, so scared. This morning, would you say you're close to Christ? Are you in the word? Are you rehearsing the gospel? Are you walking by the spirit? Are you confessing sin? Not not are you perfect, not do you have this dial, but, but are you in that place where you say it's only Jesus? Because the spirit is not a force. The spirit is the very presence of God. So I would say the spirit fills me. Here's our second point. The spirit fills me with God's presence. The Spirit fills me with God's presence. That's what this looks like. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm reading through these verses in Acts chapter two and I'm, I'm asking, man, what's going on here? Like Like wind and fire, I've never seen in our church services. Like, what's happening here? This is not normal. And, and, and when I think of wind and fire, my mind instantly goes to a Hollywood movie, right? Like, man, special effects, that'd be so cool. How would they do it? CGI? I don't know, right? And you're kind of thinking what it would look like. But, but the, those who are here, the men and the women in Acts chapter 2, their minds weren't shaped like Hollywood, like ours can be. Their minds were shaped by the Old Testament. So, when they would see and hear something, wait a minute, there's, there's wind and there's flames of fire, what would they be thinking? Their minds go back to the Old Testament. And, and, and in the Old Testament, it seems that wherever God's presence shows up, every time, it just seems like all the time there's wind and fire or wind or fire. Remember when Job meets God, he meets him out of this whirlwind. When, when Abraham sees God, there's a, a torch, a fire that passes between the sacrifices. Moses meets God in a burning bush, and and specifically, day of Pentecost, where their mind goes. Remember, this is the 50 days after the first Passover. Moses goes up onto the mountain, and what happens at that first Pentecost? God comes down in this windstorm and fire. They would see this, and right away, this is God's presence. They're filled with God's presence. Look what they do in verse 11. People said, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. They're filled with the presence of God. They start talking about the mighty works of God. Again, be, being filled with the Spirit, it's, it's not some kind of electrical shock. Being filled with the Spirit is, is, is having God give you this truth about who he is. It's, it's being in his presence. It's recognizing his mighty works. When Moses, at that very first Pentecost, what does he say? He says to God, God, show me your glory. God, I want to know who you are. God says, I'll show you who I am. I'll show you my goodness. I love that. When God says it to Moses, I'll show you my goodness. And and here's what's so great about that. Listen, he's saying, listen, "Your, your, your sin is so great, Moses. My goodness is greater. But he says to Moses, I'm going to have to hide you in a rock. I want you to hide here in the cleft of this rock as I pass before you because you don't get to see my full glory yet. In Acts chapter 2, when they're talking about the mighty works of God, what are they talking about? They're they're talking about the gospel. We we can read Peter's sermon right right away and and talking about here's this new rock. Here's the place where you can hide now so that that God's glory can be seen. Not not some mystical experience being filled with the Spirit. It's seeing the goodness of God. It's seeing Jesus' work on the cross that allows us to experience what Moses had to hide from. I love this, what's going on in Acts chapter two, now at this renewed gospel-filled Pentecost. God's glory, not just passing by, but because of the cross, now his presence in you, not just by you. You get there, right? But without Christ, we are separated because of our sins, separated from God. But because of God's love and his justice being met on the cross, when you repent, when you give your life to Christ, you have God's presence in you. I mean, this is the day-to-day life of a Christian where where we would say every day, man, I'm lost. My my good works don't mean a thing. But because of Jesus, I've been made new. I'm accepted. I'm God's child. I'm declared righteous, pure, whole. And it's in that moment, the Spirit of God begins to fill you. And you see that your, your sin's been swallowed up by all the goodness of God on the cross. It's why here, I'm gonna preach the gospel every single Sunday. Why? Because it's the power of God. It's the gospel embrace. That's where his spirit is unleashed in your life as you embrace the gospel. That's the power of God in you. It's where where we take our anxiousness. It's where we take our fears. It's, It's where we take our temptation. It's where we take our shame because typically when we face those things, what do we do? We run and hide. We hide in our homes and just huddle up in our house. Or or we hide away from our homes, depending on where your home is, right? We hide in our rooms. We hide in our offices. We hide in housework, yard work, messing around in the garage. We hide behind computers and phones. We hide behind earphones and Netflix and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. We hide behind Fashion and clothings and careers and education. We, we hide in busyness or we hide in procrastination or we hide in pessimism or we hide in optimistic humor. We hide in bravado. We hide in timidity. We, we hide in being an extrovert or we hide in being an introvert. We, and why, why? Because we need a place to hide. But we need the right place to hide. And there's only one place that, that offers the protection we're seeking from anxiousness and fear and shame and guilt. We're, we're one place where all our shame is covered, where we no longer have to fear. We hide in the rock that is Jesus Christ. To say again today, his death and resurrection covers my shame. Removes my guilt. Clears away my fears. See, in the book of Acts, we're shown we have something so much more than even Moses, that that fire came down on the mountain, and it came near Moses, but now in Christ, it says the fire came down on them. It's on us, that that Moses sees the back of God, that we've fully seen God in Christ Jesus, that, that the fire came down. It says here that it rested on each one of them. This little fire on all of them, right? What's going on there? I've explained this before, but let me explain it again. That that in the Old Testament, the presence of God really was, the manifest presence of God would be really in one place fully experienced, and that's in the Holy of Holies in the temple. Now, to get there, so if you were to go to the temple around the temple is called the the court of the gentiles. That's where everybody who's not Jewish, they get to hang out there. But that's it. That's as close as you get. In fact, there's a sign that would be on the steps of the temple entering in that says, "No one who isn't Jewish can enter in here upon penalty of death." Sweet, so welcome that, okay? So so if you're not Jewish, you're not getting in. So you're hanging on on the outside. Then as you go in, there's the court of women, right? And the young dudes are like, that's where I'd be, right? No. But what, <laughs> what, what that is, that's as far as Jewish women can go. You're in the court of women. You can't get any closer than that. Then you go into the, the court of men, and you're getting a little bit closer. But then you go into another place, getting closer and closer. You get to this place where, where the priests are allowed to hang out. But then only once a year, one person, the high priest, goes into the Holy of Holies to present a sacrifice for the people, and that's where they meet God's presence. And fire would come down and consume that sacrifice if it's an acceptable sacrifice. Here in Acts chapter 2, verse 3, it says, The fire rested on each of them. I mean, think about that. Not just the, the apostles. Each of them, not not just the men, all of them, everybody in this room. Why? Why? Because this is now the second Pentecost. This is the the second Passover. The complete Passover has already happened in Jesus Christ. And now, now the curtain tore in two of the Holy of Holies. The whole thing blown up. And now we have God's presence right here. Not standing on the outside while while a priest goes in and meets God for us. Not a, a lamb being sacrificed. But as a Christian, you stand before God fully accepted. You have the full goodness of God. As we talk about the supernatural, I want you to see that it's, it's not just something for the spiritual elite. It's for every believer who humbly puts their trust in Jesus Christ. The one who says, I need you, Jesus. I have nothing else. I'm, I'm, I'm as Paul says, we're jars of clay. Just simple, kind of Cracked but it's what's inside. It's the power of God in you by God's grace. That's you as a Christ follower, that you would know the gospel and be so filled with his spirit. Here's our last point. The spirit of God fills you with God's presence for life and mission. It's for life and mission. So, so if, if you have an experience like this where God's Spirit filling you as a believer, you're not just brought into the presence of God. You don't just have the Spirit of God fill you for warm, fuzzy feelings, for, for weird experiences. In fact, one of the ways you can tell is the Spirit of God filling us? Is, is the Spirit of God in this place? What's gonna be happening is there's gonna be transformation happening in our community where, where, where if the Spirit of God's in us, we're gonna live differently. Suffering will look different for those filled with the Spirit. How, how we treat blessings will look different. They'll be the fruit of the Spirit in your life, evidence of the Spirit, not, not, not just in miraculous, not, well, well, that person must be filled with the Spirit because see what they've done, it's so big and amazing. No, 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 no the evidence of the, of the Spirit in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So My question is, is that what's growing in you? Because that's supernatural. And, and not just, well, yeah, I'm, I'm loving, but generosity, I'm not so great. At, no, no, to be filled with the spirits, you just see God at work in you in all those ways, Christ in you and through you, living out this package deal that is so supernatural. We'll see relationships change. Is the Spirit of God at work? Is there something supernatural happening here? Well, we see that when when forgiveness is the norm. When sacrifice and care are seen all over this place, that's supernatural. And then there's a mission where the Spirit of God leads us out of here into a broken world See, Pentecost doesn't just fill you with the Spirit of God. doesn't just bring you into the presence of God, but no, it it sends you out with with that presence out into the world. I mean, you you look at how many verses are taken up here in Acts chapter 2 with so many different nations and nationalities. Like, why why would Luke writing this under the influence of the Holy Spirit, why put such a long list in here? But do you think the Holy Spirit chooses every word with a purpose? I sure do. It's not like he's saying, you know what, let's get the number, the word count number up because we need to meet our assignment parameters. No, 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 there's a purpose why each of these are listed, the, the supernatural in us and through us, listen, for the world. I would say, don't get caught up and, and, and miss what the power of the Spirit's doing here because we, we can get locked into, man, they're speaking other languages. That's crazy. That's so wild. How, how are they doing that? What's that really look like? How did it really play out? Was it they were hearing it in their own language? Were they actually speaking in a different language? And verse 13, you get how the people, the idea they came up with, well, they're, they're filled with new wine. They're saying, these guys are drunk. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure getting drunk would have made me get a better grade in grade 9 French. I don't, I'm not like, students, don't try it. I don't think it works. I don't, I don't know why they're thinking that, right? But here's what I'm saying. We can get so hung up on the miracle that's happening here and miss the very reason for the miracle that's for us. The filling of the Spirit is not about an ability to speak another language. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, I, I, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes so you can be my witnesses, It's about people hearing about Jesus. It's about people seeing the power of the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit filling you, lighting a fire in you that unleashes you so that people around you hear and see Jesus at work, Jesus in you, the Jesus, Jesus who died and rose again so that you could be changed forever, that you now have the same power, it says in, in Ephesians, that, that raised Christ from the dead, that same power now in you that's saving and serving and transforming, that same Jesus who's coming back to judge the living and the dead, that's the Spirit in you. Shouting that message. So overwhelmed by God's holiness. So overwhelmed by his love. that It just spills out of you. Filled up and spilling out. We're called to be on mission and we for sure need the spirit to do that. Next week, we're gonna talk a lot more about how that happens. How does the spirit gift each one of us? What's that look like? Come back next Sunday as we unpack that. But as we end off this morning, and my prayer is this, that that in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our church, as we go out of here on mission into our schools, into our workplaces, into our friendship groups that we have around Muskoka, that we would experience the fullness of the Spirit of God in us. That we'd recognize and remember that it's not us on our own, but it's us filled with the Spirit of God supernaturally living out the Christian life. We're gonna end off this morning, I'm gonna call the worship team up and the ushers are also gonna come forward. We're gonna end off this morning celebrating the Lord's Supper. The ushers are gonna come right up and start handing it out. And as they do, you'll notice the cups are stacked on top of each other. Grab both cups, the bread's in the bottom cup, all right? They're just gonna start passing it out right now. And as they do, Do you remember that Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover? And remember what we're celebrating right now in communion, that Jesus had changed the whole meaning of Passover, that he he was showing them that the, the reason for Passover was pointing to his death, him as the Lamb of God. And so as we celebrate now, as we think about the power of the Spirit in us in a a Pentecost way that we know we can experience that because of what we're celebrating, what we're remembering in communion. That as you hold the bread, Jesus said, this represents my body that was given for you. As you hold the cup, where Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world, that we now come and celebrate and remember that through Christ's death and resurrection, we now have, listen, we have the Spirit of God in us. Supernatural power. So let me encourage you as as the elements are being passed out, as you hold them before we partake together, I just want to encourage you in this moment, in the quiet of your heart, where you are right now, as you remember the gospel again, you take time to call out to God and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Lord, God, show me your glory again this morning. God, let your goodness pass before me. Maybe this morning you're more like those who are watching in Acts chapter 2, and you're trying to figure this whole thing out. And then this morning, you're called to make this decision. Will I reject this goodness of God? Will I reject Jesus? Or this morning, will 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 I make a decision to follow Him with my whole life? For those who know Christ... Maybe this morning you're asking in your heart as you're holding the elements and you're thinking of, of, of Christ's sacrifice for you, his spirit now in you, and you're asking, you're praying, God, God I'm worried. Lord God, I've got anger. God, I feel bitterness. God, God I'm, I'm so unhappy. God, I'm so full of fear. God, I'm so disengaged. God, I, I, I'm wrestling so much with shame. that even right now you would pray, God, show me your glory. Show me that I can hide in you, Lord Jesus. Let, Let me see again the goodness, your goodness as I see the cross. And fill me with your spirit again today. It says in the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body given for you. Let's eat together as we remember his sacrifice. It says in the same way that night he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of, of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you. That we we drink this to celebrate, to remember Jesus. Because of you, because of the you now as 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 the Lamb of God, that that God's wrath now passes over us, and we celebrate new life together. Let's drink together. Would you stand with me as I pray before we sing, <clears throat> Heavenly Father? I, I Lord God, I pray this morning, um, Father, for those who are here who need to um, see your cross and remember, Lord God, your justice, that your goodness is that you're a just God. And that sin is serious. And God, that we would, we would come this morning and, and even now, Lord, as we're, we're praying before we sing, God, that we'd come with a heart of repentance. Say, God, thank you for your forgiveness. My sin is great. And maybe this morning, Lord God, there'll be a morning where we would lay down those sins, lay down those idols, that we would lay down the lies we believe. And God, to remember your goodness as a just, holy God. but Lord, also to remember at the cross that we see your goodness in your steadfast love and your grace and your forgiveness. And God, we stand as those who have been redeemed. We stand of those who have been set free, not because of our goodness, but because of your goodness. And now, as those redeemed, Lord God, I pray in a real way, Lord, that we would know, we would experience, we would live out of the truth that's now your spirit in us, that we'd be so filled by your spirit that Christ, as we go out in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, that, Lord Jesus, it would be Christ in us, Christ through us your spirit filling us. God, we want to experience that power in our church. God, may it it be so.
1: By your grace and in your name we
0: pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.